Heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a wise friend recently told me something like this, that pandemics are good for ruminating, and that's bad news for us. Because if you're like me, when I'm given the opportunity to reflect for any length of time, unfortunately, I am pretty quick to glance over gratitude. And instead, I tend to linger on the questions of who have I become? How is my life going compared to how I thought it would go? The resentments and the frustrations that have built up, this is what consumes my thoughts. When I reflect for a long time, I always, always, I almost always come around to thinking about forgiveness in one way or another. And when I think about forgiveness, I get anxious. I think about the things that I've done, things that I've left undone. I think about that chatter in my chest that starts up and tells me not to forgive when I know that I should or that I could, but that I just don't want to when I've been hurt by someone. When I think about forgiveness, I think about the people that I love and those moments I wish I could take back, the things I wish had gone unsaid or the things that I wish I could have said. When I just think about life, honestly, I think about forgiveness. It's like love in the ways that we say love is all you need. Forgiveness often feels like it's all that we need, but it can feel so very incredibly far away. We go searching for love, but we also go out and even look deep within ourselves in search of forgiveness. We say it's all we need because we need it, because it doesn't feel like we have it. Forgiveness. And this is why Peter annoys me so much in this passage from Matthew for us today. You can imagine someone asking or confessing to someone near you that they may only be able to forgive someone seven times. Asking if it's all right if they only forgive seven times. Is that enough? Am I good enough? If you hear someone ask that question, it seems to be the biggest, most obnoxious humble brag that you've ever heard. It's like overhearing someone say, do you think it's okay that I only exercise five times a day or five times a week? I'd really roll my eyes if they said five times a day, but... I picture Peter asking Jesus this without even really making eye contact with Jesus. I picture him sort of craning his neck to the side so that the other disciples can be the ones who really hear and make these comments, sort of suggesting how righteous he is, that he forgives others upwards of seven times. And as they roll their eyes at Peter, Jesus, what he does is he crushes Peter. Jesus doesn't double down. He does much more than that. He says, no, Peter, you need to forgive 10 times more than that. And in some translations, something closer to 70 times more than that. Jesus says, sweet Peter, you should thank God that I'm going to forgive you for being so ridiculous, for not being a fraction as forgiving as you think you actually are. And then he tells this dark it's a dark parable about a slave who's forgiven much, but then refuses to forgive someone who owes him little. 
Remember, this is all told in response to Peter's obnoxious suggestion that he is pretty good at forgiving. And this parable reminded, we're reminded that forgiveness is hard and that the perfect forgiveness God demands from us and we long to receive from others, it's somewhat of an impossibility. If we walk away from this passage with the mentality of Peter, that we're capable of forgiving this well or as many times, then we are in for a rude awakening. But instead, if we read it honestly, it will hurt. It will cut us down at the knees and make us feel a little bit like Novak Djokovic did earlier this week at the U.S. Open. But it will also direct us to the other side of death and resurrection where there is one who can and has forgiven us all perfectly. I don't know if you saw this, but I could really relate to what I just alluded to with what happened to Novak Djokovic last week. He's one of the world's greatest tennis players, perhaps of all time, and he's the, he was the heavy favorite to win the U.S. Open that's being played right now in New York. And in an early round match, Djokovic was on the verge of losing the opening set, and out of frustration, he sort of quickly tossed a ball out of his pocket and then he rocketed it backwards with his racket uh, towards the wall that was behind him without really looking. And right as he did that, he instantly heard the sound of his ball striking a line judge in the neck. And you see this happen so quickly. He hits the ball and then he turns around almost instantaneously as he's hitting the ball. And in that split second, as the ball leaves his hands, you see him go, no. He's done this act, and he immediately is just full of regret. You literally see him say, no, and reach out. Thankfully, the line judge recovered, but Djokovic was understandably disqualified for his unsportsmanlike act and was kicked out of the tournament. When Asked to comment on this, John McEnroe said soon after that it's a tough situation and it's really a shame because now Djokovic is going to be seen as a bad guy for the rest of his career. The fellow announcer responded quickly and with a bit of surprise in her voice asked if he really thought this was something that Djokovic couldn't come back from. McEnroe said, well, he can embrace it. But what he'll have to embrace is that everyone now sees him as the villain, whether he likes it or not. Forgiveness is hard to come by. The world judges quickly, and after it does so, its sentence stands above us like a great oak casting down its bitter shade. In our confession of sin, we ask for forgiveness for the things we've done as well as the things that we've left undone. We seek absolution for who we've been, but we also seek absolution for who or what we've failed to become. Sometimes the things left undone or not done well enough leave us feeling cast aside and they leave us feeling forgotten. But we don't forget. We carry the disappointment and the self-resentment with us. It's hard to forgive the world when it feels like it's given up on us, but it's even harder to forgive ourselves, to accomplish a sense of being right with the world and everyone else around us, to feel like we've done well. This is a hard thing to wrap our fingers around. 
1964, Caroline Gordon, an accomplished Southern writer and teacher, surprised Flannery O'Connor in her hospital room. O'Connor had been receiving letters of support and editing notes from Gordon about her own stories for 13 years at this point. And here in the hospital, as she worked away on her final masterpiece, Parker's Back, Gordon arrived to see O'Connor with a remarkable 15 pages of notes for her on her work, as well as a shorter version if O'Connor wasn't feeling well enough to read all 15 pages. This was a truly a remarkable relationship. There's actually a book that was just published about it because their letter writing was so in-depth. And it was a real display of love and grace, I think, with these busy, hyper-focused authors taking the time to listen to one another, to encourage and make suggestions that would aid the other's obsession with crafting a story that was somehow both beautiful and true. Gordon would soon after learn that O'Connor had taken a turn for the worse and was now on her deathbed, finally succumbing to lupus at the age of 39. But instead of rushing another set of edits to help O'Connor along with her pursuit of this perfect last story of hers and this feeling of having done well, instead, Caroline Gordon sent her a telegraph a telegraph to her deathbed that simply said this, you have succeeded. It wasn't a word of forgiveness, or maybe it was in its own sort of way. What it was was a word of love, a word that O'Connor needed. O'Connor, who had been anxiously chasing after the title of being a good enough daughter, a good enough Christian, a good enough friend, a good enough writer all of her life. It's clear from her writing that she'd been searching for beauty and for absolution, for mercy and forgiveness and everything that she'd been doing. And on her deathbed, she received it. Perfect forgiveness may be hard for us to come by from others or from ourselves. But when he was on his own deathbed, on the cross, Jesus said on our behalf, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's exactly what God does. Once and for all, perfect, limitless love and forgiveness for the unlovable, for the unforgivable, and for the unforgiving, for you and for me. You and I have succeeded in being forgiven. It is finished. And now we are able to love because he first loved us. And we forgive because we know how sweet it is to have been forgiven. Amen.